You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Rod Cleef, and welcome to the Earn and Invest podcast. I still have nightmares about that day, which is interesting because I don't have nightmares about my father dying when I was eight years old. And I don't have nightmares about having a learning disability and not being able to read while all my peers could. But I do have nightmares about that day during the third year of medical school. You see, I wanted to be a general internal medicine doctor. So I was in my internal medicine rotation, and I had worked really hard to go to one of the best medical schools in the country. And all I wanted to do was go to a really good academic residency program for internal medicine. I needed to get honors in my internal medicine rotation. So I was about five weeks into the six-week course, and I had impressed my attending physician, and I impressed all the residents, and I was getting the best marks, and then something unexpected happened. The chief physician had to leave, and his replacement would be tasked with giving me my final grade. So my resident found the perfect patient for a third-year medical student to see and set up the interview. But when we got to the floor, that patient was out on a test. So the nurses suggested another patient for me to go and examine. And this patient had dementia and couldn't really answer most of my questions. This patient also had a disease process that I had never, ever heard about. And it was extremely rare. I flopped. And my attending physician was unimpressed. And as we walked out of the room, he told me how disappointed in me he was. And at that moment, I saw my future change. So I went to the bathroom and I wept. I wept for all those years that I studied, for all those years that I tried I wept for losing my father when I was eight years old. My father, who was the oncologist, a physician, and I wanted to be just like him. And when I was done, I cleaned myself up, I opened the door, and I started to rebuild my career again. And in a sense, I started to rebuild my life. 
And speaking of those pivot points in your life, I know one of the major ones for me is when I discovered financial independence. And many of you out there are just hearing about it and wonder what is a good resource to learn about your finances, personal finance, and financial independence in general. Well, the place I go is Phiology.com. My friend David Boyer created the site with his 52 Phiology lessons as well as his free downloadable Phiology workbook. This is a place where you can learn about the financial independence movement. You can learn about Camp Phi. There's a list of Phi podcasts. There's a financial independence coaching space. Pretty much anything you want to know about personal finance and financial independence, you can find at phiology.com. That's F-I-O-L-O-G-Y.com. Check them out. A huge number of free resources. That's where I go when I want to know what's happening in the financial independence world. Rod Cleef is an entrepreneur, real estate investor, author, podcaster, mentor, philanthropist. The list goes on and on. But even more impressive than his list of accomplishments is the philosophy and values he has created surrounding just about everything he does. Rod, I'm so happy to have you on the Earn and Invest podcast today. Thanks, Doc G. Let's have some fun today. Wow, what a story. I, I have to tell you, that was that was pretty compelling. And it's it's those struggles, those 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 failures that we have that that really bridge the gap between who we are and who we become. And you know, I I I think we fail our way to success, and I think that's certainly apparent with you and your success and and me for sure. Uh, I call, I don't call them failures; I call them seminars. I've had some very very big ones, as you're going going to hear about. But wow, that was quite a story. Well, let's dive right into one of those big quote unquote seminars. I talked about that moment for me and how difficult it was feeling almost as if I had reached rock bottom. Let's talk about you in 2008 and the day you realized that you were going to lose your beachfront mansion. Yeah. Well, there's, 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 there's a backstory that I really need to pre-frame that, that with. And so let me go back a bit, if you don't mind, I'm actually going to tell you two, but let me tell you that one first. So the, the other one I rarely talk about, but in light of the fact that you, oh, you know, were very authentic and vulnerable earlier, I, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to do the same, but so I immigrated to this country when I was six years old with my brother, Albert, my mother's Vancha, and I, I was born in the Netherlands in Holland, and we ended up in Denver, Colorado, and we really struggled. We did not have much money. In fact, you know, I wore clothes in the Goodwill and the Salvation Army all the way through junior high school until I lied about my age and got a job at Burger King when I was 14 so I could buy clothes and then ultimately buy a car when I was 15 before I could even legally drive it. And you know, we ate expired food. That's all we could afford. Drank powdered milk. My mom thought milk was healthy at the time. And and so, you know, but I'm sure you've got listeners that may have had it harder than we did, or maybe have it harder now, you know, with all this COVID nonsense that's going on. But, you know, I knew back then that I wanted more. And luckily, my mom had an incredible work ethic. So she babysat kids so we'd have enough money to eat. And with her babysitting money, she was a bit of an entrepreneur. She actually invested in the stock market and made money more than I did <laughs> trying the stock market. But when I was 14, she actually used that babysitting money and bought the house across the street from us for about $30,000. And then when I was 17, she told me she'd made $20,000 in her sleep because the value had gone up that much. And I'm like, what? 
screw college. I'm getting into real estate. So I went and got my real estate broker's license right when I turned 18. And, you know, not just an agent, I was a broker, which you could do back then with education. You know, they got smart now. You have to have some experience first, but I was a broker and I was going to be rich selling other people houses. Well, my first year in real estate, I maybe made about $8,000. My second year, maybe 10,000. But my third year, I made over $100,000. And and so what happened between year two and year three that caused me to 10X my income? That was 1981. It was decent money at that time. What happened was I met someone that taught me about the power of mindset and psychology and how really 80 to 90% of your success in anything is your mindset and your psychology. And, you know, fast forward to today, I've owned 2,000 houses I've rented long-term. I've owned multiple apartment complexes. In 2006, my net worth went up $17 million while I slept. And if you want to do the math on that, which I did, it's $8,173 an hour over a 40-hour work week for the entire year. And I got a head so big, I could barely fit it through a door. I thought I was a freaking real estate god. And you know when that happens, God or the universe or whatever you believe will give you a nice little <laughs> smackdown. Well, that was 2008 for me. I lost that $50 million in 2008. And like I said, it was my biggest seminar ever. And very, very painful to go through because I thought I was set for life. I had 800 houses and multiple apartment complexes here along the Gulf Coast of Florida and a very low loan to value. But just the way that I had my business model was just not effective uh, for cash flow. And so, you know, one of the things that I enjoy talking about, Doc, if, if you'll, you know, if, you, if we have time is really the mindset it took to have 50 million to lose in the first place, how I got there. And then the mindset it took to get back from that, losing everything to where I'm at today, which I'm blessed to, you know, be back. And so, you know, would love to drill down on that if we have time. I actually want to jump into that specifically the mindset that gets you to being worth 50 million. You mentioned your upbringing, immigrating, not really having a lot of money. It occurs to me that all of us face things as children that give us drive. For me, mm -hmm. it was my father dying and having a learning disability. Mm. You talked about your financial situation. Let's talk a little about your social situation. Did you fit in? I mean, you came to oh, the U.S. Great, this was not question. where you were born. Yeah. Great question. No, great question. And and you are taking this place as I rarely go on interviews. So this is really, this is going to be fun. So no, I immigrated and I didn't speak English. So I got thrown into school and I was a very quiet, shy, loving kid. And I found out what bullies were for the first time. So, and then my mom, God bless her heart, proud Dutch woman that she was, sent me to show and tell in wooden shoes and these, those lederhosen, and those leather shorts the Germans wear for Oktoberfest. So I got my butt kicked again. And then the bullies would chase me home on a regular basis and she would chase them off with a fly swatter. So the next day I got my butt kicked again. And so, you know, that that coupled with I'll, I'll tell you about an incident on the playground, which 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 you know we all have this stuff, but but this was a really impactful one for me, and it's not going to sound like a big deal, but it was a big deal for me. So, you know, in sixth grade, there was this girl that I had a crush on. I thought I was in love, of course. Beautiful. Her name was Carolyn. Beautiful dark curly hair. Beautiful little face, and you know, and I th I was in love skipping around on the playground one day, and I had made the mistake of telling my friend Becky that. I was in love with Carolyn. Well, I see Carolyn coming across the playground with what seemed like half the school. It was probably about 10 or 15 kids. And she comes up to me and I'd never even talked to her, you know, looked her in the eye, talked to her face to face. And she said, do you like mustard? I said, yeah, I, I just said, yeah, I love anything to her. And I said, yeah, I love mustard. And she said, well, I hate mustard and I hate you. And she laughed and everyone else laughed. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but that coupled with the bullies 
caused me to think that I wasn't good enough. And so I, I formed this question that I add that I didn't even know I was asking myself on a regular basis, which was how can I show them I'm good enough, which presupposed, of course, that I wasn't. And, you know, and it is fascinating. I, I spent uh, 20 years following Tony Robbins around the planet. And it was about his sixth or seventh event when I recognize when I realized I'm like, that's what I've been asking. I cried for about 30 minutes straight. I, I was, I was just blown away, but you know, and, and that, and that question was a double-edged sword. That question caused me to push to be a huge success, but it also cost me my first family. Okay. And so, so it, 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 you know, it, it had, it had both sides of that blade. And so, yeah, so, so that's, that was my social upbringing. I was very awkward and, and and I just felt like I had something to prove. It's an interesting point, this double-edged sword. This feeling not of being enough drove you to be incredibly successful. Yeah. But then you also mentioned kind of losing your first family. At what yeah. point did you realize that maybe it wasn't as healthy as you thought it was? What well, got you there? I'm not sure that there was a, an epiphany. I, I will tell you, you know, my kids will tell you I was a great dad and, and, but I, I, but I know I didn't live up to my own expectations. And I talk about this in my training, my coaching in that, you know, I, I would come home and I would play with them every night, but I was distracted because I was so focused on, on building, building, you know, becoming something. And again, they'll tell you I was a great dad, but, but it's my greatest regret in life to this day. And so, you know, with my students, I take them through a planning process that where, and we can discuss it if you like, whereby, you know, they take some time to really make sure that they're focused on what's most important. And when they're with the people that matter, they are totally present. Phone goes in the drawer, whatever, you know, they're totally present because, you know, a child or a spouse would rather have 15 minutes of total presence than an hour of distraction. And so, you know, that's one of the things that, that I take very, very seriously with my students. But, but anyway, like I said, I, I think it, 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 I actually evolved and, and, and it was going through that evolution, sp- spending a lot of time looking in the mirror, a lot of Tony Robbins events and other uh, self-actualizing type material that I, that I came to the realization of what had happened and why it had happened and, and how I wasn't going to replicate that cycle. When we're talking about the struggle of feeling enough, one of the big problems is the self-centeredness, right? When you don't feel like you are enough, you spend a lot of time trying to boost yourself to oh, yeah. get there. We mentioned the financial crisis a little bit, but you, in a sense, also had maybe a psychological midlife type crisis too. Tell me about that. There was a time, sure, I think, sure, during sure. Thanksgiving where you came to oh. an epiphany. I built this incredible home on the beach. Okay. This thing, it was 10,000 square feet, $8 million house, beach on one side, boathouses on the backside. I worked for that for 20 years. Okay. 20 years. And, and, you know, when I talk about goal setting, which is one of the things that really helps people get what they want, you know, this was a goal. I, I tell them, don't limit yourself. Cause when I lived in Denver, I knew I was wanting to live on the beach and there was no beach in Denver. And so I, I literally visualized, I knew I wanted to live on the beach. I would visualize the palm trees, the beach, the surf, everything. So I worked for this thing for 20 years. And this house is magnificent, giant waterfall, the second floor balcony to the pool, elevator, wine cellar, a giant spiral staircase up through the middle. On the second floor, there was an aquarium that I had built around the staircase cost me almost $200,000. So that gives you an idea of the house. So two months after I moved in, I'm floating in the pool at night. I've got 
tens of thousands of dollars worth of trees that are bent out over the pool. I've got the pool's changing colors at night. Uh, I got fiber optic lighting. And two months after I moved in and I'm floating in this thing at night and I and my family's inside sleeping, I got depressed. And I don't mean just a little bummed. I mean, I was really bummed. I'm like, what the hell? I've just achieved success like times a thousand societal standards. How could I possibly be depressed? Well, what I, what I realized is there were several things going on. The goals are critical, and I'd love to circle back to that conversation if you'll allow me in a minute, Doc, but but the goals are critical, but the happiness doesn't come from the goals. The goal, the happiness comes from continual progress and growth, and so you need to be continually growing and progressing. I didn't know what I was going to do next, so it's very important if you achieve a big goal to have other goals lined up behind it. You know, I didn't have a vision for the future. Like the good book says, without a vision, the people perish. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I didn't have a vision for the future, and so that was, that was in play, but I'll tell you there was a bigger thing in play, and that was I was totally focused on me. Prove the world I'm good enough. You know, rod, rod, rod. Show the world I matter. You know, I looked up at this testament to my ego when I was floating in that pool that I built. And that was the truth of it. I built it to prove the world I was good enough. And and so, you know, I, I knew I was depressed and I had to figure it out. So I went and, and I was going to, you know, fix this, obviously. So I went out and bought a bunch of books, you know, Dale Carnegie, Zig Ziglar at the time. And I got a Tony Robbins book. And, and I'm like, man, I really like what this guy's saying. So I went and saw him live. And, you know, like I say, I followed him around the planet for 20 years after that. I love, by the way, shout out, if you ever have an opportunity to see him speak alive, just do it. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. But, but, you know, I found out that he fed families for the holidays and I'm like, wow, what a concept. Do something for someone else. You know, I had to be 40 to get that memo. I'm 60 now, but I I got the memo. (laughs) And, and so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try that. So I went back home, grabbed my brother. We went to a church, said, who really needs help? I mean, who really needs help that, you know, we need five families. Third family changed my life. So, so we got big boxes of food. We found out if they had kids and turkeys. We did it for Thanksgiving. Now we do it for Christmas, but we did it for Thanksgiving. And this third family, I walked up to this house and this was actually in Denver. I do it in Florida now, but this was actually in Denver. And this was an old Denver proper row house. It was like a shotgun piece of crap house uh, unit. You walk into the living room, you walk through the bedroom to get to the kitchen, which has the bathroom off it. So it's not even a good one bedroom because you got to walk through the bedroom to get to the kitchen. And there was this lady there with five kids. So she comes out and she sees this box of food on the porch with the toys and the turkey, frozen turkey and the roasting pan, everything. She starts crying. Her kids come out. The older ones start crying. I start crying and I'm freaking hooked. And so I'm blessed to say we have fed 90,000 children over the last 20 years here in Florida. And I'm actually feeding a thousand families tomorrow. Um, We're recording this in December and I'm feeding a thousand families tomorrow. So, you know, it's been my greatest blessing. We've done tens of thousands of backpacks filled with school supplies to local children. We've done tens of thousands of teddy bears that we give to the local police departments for their officers to put in their vehicles when they encounter a child that's been traumatized. And so I'm going to tell you, if you're listening to Doc G here, and you maybe you're one of these people that's just getting going, you know you need to do this side hustle. Maybe you're in the medical field and you realize you need to do something in addition to that. I'm going to encourage you, if you're not already giving back, to give back now, even if you think you can't afford it. Because, you know, it's common. So many people think they have to achieve to be happy. And I'm going to tell you, it's much faster, much easier, and much more pleasant to happily achieve. 
And if you are giving back, you are happily achieving. And so I don't care if you just adopt one family, you just find something you're passionate about. If it's the environment, if it's pets, if it's the elderly, children, whatever it is, go do something to help that because your success will come faster and you'll be happier. And again, I'm embarrassed to say it took me till I was 40 to realize that, but thank God I did. And indeed, it's not only faster, but you had found that material wealth only got you so far, right? It only filled your cup so much. Whatever you give, you get back. If you want happiness, go smile at everybody you see. If you want love, go give love. You want money, give time and money. It comes back to you 10 to 100 fold. It's just the way God or the universe, whatever you believe works. I don't care what you believe, but when you give, you receive, period. And so, you know, you don't give to receive, you just give to give. But if you like, for example, if you're in an intimate relationship and you approach that relationship like you are there to serve and give that person without any expectation in return. And then if you're blessed enough to find someone like that reciprocating on the other side, you have a world class freaking relationship like I happen to have with my wife. We try to outdo each other with how we how we please and delight each other. And so, you know, that's just the way things work. But but again, give back now. Don't wait. And, and you'll be so glad you did. Even if it's you buy a cup of coffee for the person behind you in Starbucks, just simple, stupid little stuff like that makes you feel so good. And it comes back to you. Trust me. So I want to draw a parallel between our stories. In the beginning, I talked about overcoming a learning disability and the death of my father to end up in medical school and having these huge dreams of going to the best residency program possible and then having my bubble burst. Mm -hmm. And as I listen to your story, it sounds like you figured out material wealth and got over the being the poor kid from Holland in the United States. Yes. And then you realized that you needed more than money just to fill your cup and you started the Tiny Hands Foundation and started helping people. Yes. And then 2008 happens and you lose it all. What does the next day look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, right? the next day sucked. Okay, let's just be honest. It was terrible. Okay, it was, it was, it was no fun. In fact, the next probably three months were not the happiest three months of my life. I was under a rock, little eyeball poking out, feeling sorry for myself. But luckily, I was in that environment, in that, in that environment with Tony, and and I was around people that were thriving in that. But but the big thing that that I did was I redirected my focus. And this is a conversation I'd really love to get into you with you because especially right now, you know, we are going through so much crap with COVID. Don't get me started on the political nonsense. I, I mean, so much unrest and, and angst and anger and frustration in this country. And it's so easy to get your focus diverted. And, and guys, what you focus on is what, is what you become. And what you focus on grows larger, both positive and negative. And it's so easy to get sucked into CNN or, you know, the, these news channels and, and get upset. And, and right now, if you're listening to Doc G, you're a leader. There's no question you're a leader. You wouldn't be listening to the show. And right now, the world needs leaders. And so I'm going to encourage you to bring in the good stuff. You know, on, on my podcast, I do these clips called Own Your Power. They're five minutes. Even if you're not interested in real estate, you'll get benefit from them. And, 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 but even if it's not my podcast, listen to YouTube, you know, go on YouTube, find motivational content, watch things that, that are pleasant and motivating and, and, and don't bring in the crap. You know, I get students that say, you know, I'm trying to get rid of student loan debt. And I'm like, wrong statement, focus on making money because again, what you focus on grows larger. 
You know, they asked Mother Teresa if she was anti-war. She said, no, I'm pro-peace. See, this distinction is so critical that you pay attention to what you allow into your brain. Stand guard there and bring in the good stuff. Keep out the crap, including the naysayers. Make sure you're around a group of people like I was back then. There was there were people thriving through that 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 mess. And 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 that's how I was able to turn it around. But the key was I redirected my focus towards what I wanted. I redirected my focus towards my goals. And it was painful because I thought I was, I truly thought I was set for life. And so, but I did it. I picked myself up and, and redirected towards the things that I wanted. And, and, and now I'm back and, and stronger than ever. And so, you know, that's, that's why, you know, I do these uh, two day live events. Now I, I used to do three day live events. Of course, I was supposed to have 900 people in Orlando in May or 800 people in Orlando in May. I'd sold out events and, and we all know what happened with that. So I had to pivot. So I had to innovate. Actually, I had to pivot. You'll, if you uh, go to the, my multifamily virtual bootcamp website, you'll see me in my backyard with my phone recording the video of the, of the event. And so I had to innovate and maybe some of you listening are going through some stuff right now, then you need to pivot or innovate. Don't be afraid of that. You know, don't, don't, don't get locked in whatever you have to do. Like these restaurants that have kicked butt and, and done takeout and delivery or whatever they have to do. So if you're in that place, just put on your thinking cap. Don't get sucked into the fear. You know, you may need to innovate right now. And I will tell you some of the strongest companies in history were born in times like this. So, so, you know, cause you got to think outside the box and that's what I had to do. I had to innovate. Now I do, I've got a video studio being built here on my compound. You know, I, I lost that house that I was telling you about on the beach I, I live in a compound now. I've got six buildings. I've got a giant main house, a two-bedroom guest house. I've got this media building with a video studio we're building on the second floor. And because God's got a sense of humor, I can see my old house across the bay. It's literally right right behind me across the bay there. I'm very, very happy on all fronts. But you know, it was it was redirecting my focus. It was it was getting reassociated with my goals. It was reassociating with why those goals had to happen that that caused me to pivot. I want to get granular here because I think a lot of people in 2020 during this pandemic, during all this political craziness, feel like they're where we felt like we were at those pivotal times in our life. Right. So you've mentioned refocusing. You've yeah. Mentioned- so so let, let me let me share a process, please, because I, I really think it'll add value to your listeners, Doc, if, if you'll humor me. It, it, it'll take 10 minutes, but it's so powerful. I, I, again, I spend about an hour and a half on this at my live events or my live stream events, but, but I can give you an overview and you can do this with your spouse at home. And it's so freaking powerful. I'm actually going to do it I will do it January 2nd on my Rod Cleef official page. I, I did it last year on January 1st. We're going to do it on Saturday on the 2nd this year. And I'll guide you through this. But let me give you an overview real quick. So what you want to do is pick an hour when you have a lot of energy. Don't do it after a big meal. Make sure you're well hydrated and sit down and write down everything you could ever want in life. Okay. All the stuff. There's nothing wrong with stuff. The houses, the cars, the jets, the boats, the jets, the jet skis, whatever it is, write it down and take the lid off your brain. I want you to write down everything you ever want in life. So if your ultimate dream is a private island, a jet, a yacht, just take the lid off your brain, write it down because there's truly nothing you can't do, be, or have. So, so it be, it, this, just the simple act of writing down what you want triggers something in your brain called your reticular activating system. And it's that subconscious filter I know you in the medical community are familiar with that kind of directs you where it thinks your brain thinks you need to focus. And 
greatest example of it is when you first buy a car or vehicle, you never really noticed them that much before then, and then they're everywhere. Well, were they there before? Of course they were. And that's your reticular activating system honing in. This, it's the same thing with your goals. So reassociating with your goals is, is it causes you to notice things that will pull you towards them. But anyway, write down everything, how much money you want in the bank in three years, how much money you want in the bank in 10 years, how much cash flow you want from your investment, say in three years and 10 years. Write down, also write down everything you want to learn in this lifetime. You know, maybe you want to learn a foreign language. Maybe you want to learn a skill. If it's multifamily real estate, for God's sakes, come see me. I was mentioning to you, I do these two-day boot camps. They're $97. I don't sell anything. It's kind of a no-brainer. So, so, but, but whatever it is, write it down. Skill set, foreign language. Also, write down things you want to do. Do you want to write a book? Do you want to learn, a, you know, do you want to climb mountains over 14,000 feet in the country? I know somebody in the world that somebody's doing that. Jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I did that. I will never freaking do it again, but I got it off the list. <laughs> so whatever it is you want to do, be, or have, write it down. But lastly, write down who you want to help. Okay. Like I bought my parents a house here in Florida on a canal, bought them a car, took them on cruises. Who do you want to do stuff for? Write that down. Now, once you, and, and, if, and I know you have a lot of analytical listeners and those of you that are analytical, do not stop and analyze this when you're writing it down. Just keep that pen moving. You can always scratch it out later, but don't stop and think about it. Just keep writing. Fill up as many pages as you can. Once you're done, put a time limit on each one of those because it's not real until it's measurable. So just put how many years it's going to take you to achieve each one of those goals. So just put a one, a three, a five, even a 10 or a 20 recognizing that as human beings, we'll overestimate what we can do in, say, a year, but massively underestimate what we can do in 5, 10, 20 years, like my house example I gave you. It was unthinkable when I was 18, but but I made it happen, and you can too. So, so write down how many years it's going to take you to achieve it. Just a couple more steps. Pick your number one goal. I mean, that goal, when you get it, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. That goal, that goal that you know you've arrived, okay? Put that on a separate sheet of paper. Then pick your top three one-year goals. Put those on a separate sheet of paper and leave some room in between them. Then at this point, you're ahead of 99.9% of the people on the planet that do a New Year's resolution and forget about it by February, but you've got to take a couple more steps. You need to write down under each one of those goals why it's an absolute freaking must to achieve it. And so, write why it has to happen and use emotionally charged words, words like amazing, beautiful, incredible. Words are very powerful. You want to use them. And so, you might say, so I can show my kids what amazing success looks like. So, I can show my wife what it means to live an incredible life of luxury or whatever it is, you know, so we can have the freedom to do whatever we want, whenever we want, go wherever we want, bring whoever we want. So whatever's going to juice you, write that down. I want you to take a pivot just a little bit. I want you to put some pain in there. If you don't achieve the goal and make it painful, so I don't feel like a failure, so I don't fail my husband or wife, so I don't fail my kids, so I don't live a life of regret because pain is powerful. Pain, you know, people will do more to avoid pain than gain pleasure. And you want to use this. This is the fuel to get your butt up out of bed early in the morning or stay up late or work a Saturday to build this side hustle to, you know, if you're willing to, to, to grind for a couple of years now, like most people won't, you live the rest of your life like most people can't. And, that, and that's, this is the fuel that does that. So put some pain in there. You know, there was a nurse in Australia named Bronnie Ware. She was a hospice nurse and she counseled patients when they were dying. And doc, she asked him a question. She asked them, do you have any regrets? 
And she even wrote a book about it. Uh, it's called The Five Regrets of Dying. And you know what the number, you know, you're familiar with this. You're nodding like you're Very familiar. Very much so. Yep. Yeah. And, and the number one regret was not living the life I could have lived, living someone else's life. Guys, we don't want that. So again, you need to get associated. And I could have, you know, people jumped off buildings in the 20s for losing more proportionately that I lost in 2008. So, you know, it, this is why this is so important. And if you're suffering right now, or going through some crap, get reassociated with your goals. Okay. So you've got your, your goals, you've got your whys. The last step is get pictures, go out there. You can manifest these things in your life, but you've got to have visuals around you. And so I'll give you some examples. I'll give you a couple public examples. A great one is Jim Carrey. When he was flat broke, he wrote himself a check for $10 million and he used to go sit up by the Hollywood sign and he would visualize cashing it. Just Google Jim Carrey check. You'll see it. And that's how much money he made for Dumb and Dumber. Now, I'll give you a more recent example. Demi Lovato, the singer, 10 years ago when she really was unknown, posted on social media, one day I'm going to sing in the Super Bowl. Go watch the last Super Bowl. In the first half of the show, Rod and I talk about growing up a poor immigrant in the United States. After the break, we discuss the role of mentors. But first... Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? It was one of my favorite budgeting apps, but here's the problem. Mint is disappearing. Now we all are stuck with the question... How will we manage our budget and finances now? Well, I discovered Monarch Money, and I have to tell you, I found it simple, enjoyable, and made for users like me. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. There's so many great things about Monarch. One is it's intuitive. When I signed up, I went to the website, and within minutes, I had had all my accounts downloaded. I connected to all my banks. It is collaborative. It's not only made for people like me, but for people like me to then share it with my spouse or my financial advisor or what have you. and. Monarch is so customer-focused that they're always looking for ways to improve and make their product serve us better. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Wish you were in early on some of the best-performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. Our crowd investors were, and now you can join them in what's next. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing like Beyond Meat or being bought by companies like Nike, Intel, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Their in-depth due diligence includes meeting with management teams and generally comprehensive vetting of deals they decide to make part of their own portfolio. Once our crowd has selected a deal, they offer accredited investors the opportunity to invest alongside them with the same terms. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in NanoLock Security, a company offering IoT cyber protection, including billions of low-end devices that other technologies cannot protect. 
Nanolock is the only device-level protection that has near-zero power requirements and is agnostic to the operating system. You can get in early on Nanolock and other unique opportunities at rcrowd.com EAI. The rcrowd account is free. Just go to ourcrowd.com slash EAI. You know, I'll give you some personal examples. Back when I was 18, I got a four-door car because I was going to sell other people houses, right? So I got this bone-ugly Ford four-door Granada, bench seat in the front, just a piece of you know what. And But I went and worked with a guy, the guy I was telling you about, that had Corvettes, and he let me drive one. And that's a key piece as well. You want to experience these things that you want as much as you can. Go test drive the car. Go to the open house of the houses. You know, like I back in February of this year, for Valentine's Day, I took my wife and we stayed at a really nice hotel in Miami. We went to the Miami Yacht Show and I BSed my way onto these big yachts because I'd love, I took her to the Malfi Coast once and we saw these gorgeous yachts, just so spectacular. If you, I don't know if you've ever been there, Doc, it's just beautiful, beautiful. All these yachts and beautiful towns on the hillside. And I said, baby, one of these days we're going to rent or buy a yacht and we're going to go around the Horn of Italy and Spain and Greece and Croatia. But anyway, so I went to the yacht show and I BSed my way onto these yachts and I, laid on the bed and I sat in the captain's chair and I visualized owning it because it works. So, you know, I went, I worked with this guy that had Corvettes and, and I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And so I got a picture of a Corvette out of a magazine. This is before the internet had been even thought of. And I put that Corvette picture on the visor of my four door Granada. And within a year, and so every time I sat in it, I saw that, that picture within a year, I had a beautiful Corvette and I'm going to give you a couple more examples, but please know this is not me bragging. This is just, I'm hoping to inspire you if you're listening. Okay. Cause this stuff doesn't even interest me anymore, but this is back when the TV show Magnum PI was out. And it was the first time this detective it was Tom Selleck was the actor was detective drove this Ferrari 308. And I saw that. I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And so I got a picture of that actual car, put it on the visor of my Corvette. Within a year or two, I had a Maserati look just like it. You were talking about, you know, needing to prove myself. These are the examples for that for that dialogue. But and then the last one is I'm the guy that always wanted a Lamborghini. So I had pictures in my bedrooms growing up with the Lamborghinis and the bikini girls washing them and, you know, all that crap. And what's funny, though, is my son. Son collected models of exotic cars. He had about 30. And I've got this model actually in the building here. But I had a model of the exact same color and style Lamborghini that I ended up buying, which I ultimately wrecked. But but anyway, pictures work, guy. In fact, let me show you something. Now, now, if you if you decide to put this on YouTube, this is my planner. In the back of this planner, I use a paper planner. I'm a dinosaur. For those of you just listening, you just have to visualize this, but I'll describe it. In the back of this book are pictures that have been in here for 20 years. The first pictures are my gratitude pictures and my pictures of my children when they were young. Because guys, everything starts from a place of gratitude. Okay, it's foundational to get anything that you want in life. So there are pictures of my kids and these, these have literally been in here for 20 years. Then there's pictures of the houses that I want. Top picture looks just like my house on the beach before I ever got it. What's crazy is this bottom picture. I don't know if you can see the walls in the in these two pictures here. Those are actually two different properties. Look behind me. See the wall? Is that mm-hmm. crazy? These pictures have been in here 20 years and they look just like where I live now. And then other stuff back here, the stupid crap, like I've got a few hundred thousand dollars worth of watches. The Lamborghini, before I ever got it, pictures of that, the Rolls Royce, the Bentley, all this stuff that I thought was important at the time, but I got it because I had pictures. So get pictures. Put them around you, screensaver on the wall, whatever you have to do because it works. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. I noticed that you didn't mention mentors in everything we've talked about, but you've mentioned well, Tony, Tony Robin a bunch Tony, of times. Tony's a huge yeah. mentor. And my mentors, for the most part, up to that point were books. 
I'm a voracious reader. I never went to college, but I've got thousands of books in, in the other building here that my wife would love me to get rid of some of them. But, you know, my mentors prior to that were primarily books. You know, again, I didn't go to college. Now, I mean, I could share a picture, but I, I have this picture. I go to boot camps and I go to workshops and I've got this picture where I've got literally about 200 lanyards from the events. That's my college. I collect them and I have my arms out and they're hanging from both arms they're around my neck. Of course, I'm in front of my, you know, my nice vehicles, a little bit of a braggadocious shot, but, but I learned through boot camps and workshops. And so I had a lot of teachers like that, really no notable ones other than Tony to speak of, but I, I, I got instruction in real estate after the fact from some of these people and, you know, but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I've got some authors that I really love. I've got some historical figures that I really feel strongly I'm impressed with what they accomplished. I mean, my, my, I suppose a living one would be Elon Musk. I mean, what, what an incredible story. He has $3 billion, a multi-billion dollar startups. Now he's the second richest guy on the planet. I mean, so again, when I tell you there's nothing you can't do, be, or have, there's a perfect example to emulate when you think that way, if, if, if it's financial success that you're looking for. Yeah. So as you were mentioning your process, while mentorship was not one of those steps you mentioned, it sounds like mentorship is important for Well, it is for me now. And- I just didn't realize it. You know, I, I regret not going to college and getting a formal education. I will tell you, it's one of my regrets. But, you know, I got, I got, I was so focused on proving the world I was good enough. So I was going to go do it financially. And, 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 and I did, but. So let's know. talk about Rod Cleef in 2020 much of the material wealth is no different than it was before 2008, but how has your life changed? How have your goals changed? Great great question. Great question. Great question. You know, I have the most blessed life I can possibly imagine. Okay. I mean, I'll show you something. You guys can't see this, but behind my green screen here, you can see some of the hundreds of thank you cards. I've been teaching for about three years now. And and when I, and this is, please know this is not bragging, but it's just my, my world now. I literally get love every single day. I get DMs, I get emails, I get gifts in the cards, gifts. I get, you know, I, I literally get love from people whose lives have been impacted by my work every day. I mean, how freaking awesome is that? I have the most beautiful, physically beautiful, but also beautiful on the inside wife on the planet. I live in paradise. I mean, I, I am so grateful and I'm, I'm impacting lives in a positive way. I'm, you know, after this episode, I'm going to, I'm going to go do the third day of a workshop and I should probably have three or 400 people on there and I'm doing it for free. I'm teaching people how to find deals and, and, and I get so much incredible feedback. It's like meets all my needs at a very high level. So I'm addicted to it. And, you know, my wife puts up with it. I work on Sundays very, very often because she knows I'm just so happy doing what I'm doing. And, really for the first time in my life. You know, I started my podcast, what, four years ago, and I started it because I wanted to tell my story. When I lost everything, it was my houses that pulled me down. My multifamily properties did just fine. And so I wanted to tell that story and I knew I was getting back into real estate. So I thought it'd be a great way to ask for money if I was going to do deals. And then it just took off and I hit a million down. In fact, I used to tell people early on the podcast, I'll never sell you anything. I just want to add value. And that was the truth. I did, I'd never planned to, you know, it's funny. You want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And I, I just planned to, you know, just to add value. And that truly was, and I loved it. I took free phone calls from my listeners, like 30 minute phone calls. I did hundreds of them and I loved them. And, but then when I hit a million downloads, I'm like, okay, I better do something with this. And so I, you know, wrote a book and did courses and now, and I've had sold out live, I did sold out live events for two years. 
And now I have hundreds of students across the country and my students are approaching 40,000 units owned. So, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible success story. And like I said, I've never been happier. You know, my podcast is touching up against 10 million downloads right now. It'll happen in the next few weeks. And it's just unthinkable to me. My, my, I have a Facebook group on multifamily. It's the largest in the world with 37,000 people. I was telling you, my YouTube videos got watched for 30,000 hours last year. Just amazing the incredible reach you can create with social media and the the value you can add when that's your focus. Truly, that's my focus is just to add value because it it comes back in spades. Like, you know, I've spent a a, a month preparing for this three-day workshop that I'm giving right now and finding deals and it's free and and it's three full, you know, not three full days. It's actually uh, an hour and a half each day, but it's three days. It was a lot of work. My production team's already here waiting on me. And so, you know, but, but but I do it because I love it and because, you know, it just comes back to me in spades. It's almost an ironic story. The kid who grew up trying to find enough by creating wealth, eventually realizing the wealth wasn't enough and started filling his cup by doing things that had nothing to do with money that were making him happy, ended up making money doing those yeah, things it, anyway. It's never about the goals. You know, you, 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 you think that it is and you need them. Trust me, you have to have them. You have to have them. They need, and you need those whys. They're a must. But again, it's about your progress. It's about your growth. It's about acknowledging that consciously, making sure you consciously acknowledge even the small things that you get done. And, and it's, and it's about finding your purpose and passion. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's teaching. My father was a teacher. My uncles are all teachers. I, I was ashamed my dad died before he saw this because I, I would have loved because I never thought I wanted to. He wanted me to. And, I, and, it, and I'm sad about that. He, that, that he didn't get to see that. You know, my mom, who got me into real estate, I did an event in Denver. I had about six or 700 people there. And she, they brought her from assisted living in a wheelchair. And she's in the front row with my brothers. And I'm in the behind the curtain crying because she's the reason I got into real estate. But, you know, it's a shame my dad never got to see it. But but I'm living my dream. And I truly am. And, and, and I can say that it's not hyperbole. That is just a fact, love and life. What do you think your kids have learned from your journey? Well, my kids, <laughs> you know, people, people die when they hear my kids aren't doing real estate. But my daughter is is a beautiful soul and you know that's funny they helped me at, they helped me at my live events so my daughter did my audio and my son worked the cameras and people would come once i introduced them people would come up to him and say you know is he really like that is you know does he does he yell his mantras in the morning and does he you know do these things visualization exercises that he talks about and and yeah they're like yes he does and he sure does and and you know, I, I I'd like to think that they were positively impacted by all the things that 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 I do, and hopefully led by example. And we have great relationships. I talk to my son every day, my daughter every few days. So I imagine many people are listening on edge to your story, as I am. Talk to us a little bit about the resources available through your foundation and business. Yeah, so uh, I think we talked about this that that you could try to air this before my February event. I've got an event in February, and of course I should know the dates, but I don't. But if you text multifamily 
to 41411. We will send you the information on this two-day boot camp. And it's nine. And okay, this is important. Write this, remember this code, Rod Friend. The price will be more than that then. But if you put in Rod Friend, you'll be able to get in for $97. And it's two full days of training. I don't sell anything at the event. It's a duh. I mean, if you're interested in real estate at all, if you're interested in real estate, come spend two days with me. I promise you, you'll be glad you did. I've never had a complaint other than the breaks are too short. I do 15-minute breaks because I'm packing in as much as I can. But it is drinking through a fire hose. But if you're interested in potentially investing either even passively, if you're in the medical field and you love what you do, if you're interested in investing passively even, come spend a couple of days with me because why would you give your hard-earned money to someone if you didn't know at least a, a, a basic framework about what you're investing in? And that goes for anything, frankly, that you're putting your hard-earned money into. But yeah, so so text multifamily to 41411. And then you know, if you are interested in, in investing passively, I am the most conservative investor that I know right now as it relates to multifamily. We've bought, I think, just 2,000 doors in the last 18 months. And we have we have deals under contract right now, very low, much lower loan to value than you would see on most deals. And we give great returns, but you have to be accredited. You have to be an accredited investor. But if you're interested in possibly talking to us about investing, text the word PARTNER to 41411. And we'll see if we, you know, if it's a fit for us to partner together uh, on our deals, because we've been very, very successful and lucky. Uh, well, lucky is the wrong word. We've been very, very successful with the deals we've done. And, you know, because I have such an incredible network of students all over the country, we see a lot more deals than the average group. And my team is just very, 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 very good at sifting through them to find the great deals. So, but then if you're interested in learning the business and you can't do the boot camp, just my podcast, Lifetime Cash Flow Through Real Estate Investing. I and mean, if you go on your iPhone and you and you search the word real estate, I usually come up number one or two every day. But my website is Real Estate with Rod. Real Estate with Rod, and and there's tons of free resources there, books and articles and videos. And I think that's enough. <laughs> I get to keep going, but that's enough. <laughs> and as I listen to all that you're doing, the coaching, the free resources but also a good deal of buying, it almost begs the question, when will you stop buying real estate? When will enough be enough? Yeah, it's, 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 not, about the, it's not about the money at this point, obviously. It, it's, you know, when you love what you do, work is play, Doc, right? I mean, are you, you, I'm sure you love the feedback you get from your podcast. I mean, it's addictive. It's just when you get that love back from people who've been impacted by your work and you know, I'd be incongruent if I wasn't buying while I'm teaching. You know, there's a lot of these 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 fake Lamborghini gurus that stand in front of a rented Lamborghini and talk about teaching people. But you know, that's, that's the the one word that that is usually used to describe me is uh, I'm authentic. Because I will tell you, with typically at my live events, within like like you just shared your most vulnerable moment, within five minutes of the, my event, you will hear about the worst moment in my life, which was telling my kids we were getting a divorce absolute worst moment of my life. And, and, and so, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to share the highs and the lows and I sh- and I have lots of lows. I mean, I, I didn't even get to that second one I was mentioning to you, but I, I've had lots of, lots of lows in my life. And, and, you know, I, I met, uh, at, I, I belong to lots of masterminds and I was a member of a mastermind and I met the billionaire, Sarah Blakely, the one that started Spanx with $5,000. She's now billionaire. She was on Forbes this year. And, and, uh, she told me, her dad used to ask her at the dinner table, what have you failed at today? Is that an awesome question to ask your kids so they don't feel failure? I just love that. It uh, is. And, it is. You know, because we fail our way to success. I have, you know, a lot of people don't know I've built 24 businesses. 
Several have been worth tens of millions of dollars, but most have been spectacular flaming seminars, okay? And because that's how you learn. You just don't, you know, you're like, you got to be like a shark, though. You only die when you stop moving, and you just look at it as a, as a learning experience. You look at it as feedback, and, and you know, and hopefully you don't have a big a memo as I did with the 50 million, but but it's it's all good. It all works out. If it hadn't happened, I hadn't, I wouldn't have met my wife, and I wouldn't, I'd give everything up for that, so... Well, Rod, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. What struck me about your story and that I connected to was the way in which these quote-unquote seminars or failures could happen and you could step up and start again. And I think right now, especially where we are in the world, it's such an important message. Yeah. That just because things appear very bad now, just because your bubble has been burst, that thing you held to be so important may not be going the way you want it to, doesn't mean that it's time to stop. In fact, it may be the perfect time to start again. Reinvent, pivot, do whatever you have to do, and, and just be very careful where your focus is directed. Thanks for having me on, brother. It's been a lot of fun. It has been a blast. This has been the Earn and Invest Podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Rod Cleave. My pleasure. That's a wrap. Hey, everybody. I did an interview with Trip Lanier on the New Man Podcast, where we went deep on identity and purpose and letting go of the importance of prestige and money for that which is most important. It was a really great conversation, and I thought I'd give you a little clip here just to get a taste. Again, this was with Trip Lanier from the New Man Podcast. I highly suggest you check it out. You know, one of the, one of the things that, that stuck out for me on the when you interviewed me on your podcast, the Earn and Invest podcast, what... um. You told a story about being recognized as a physician, and, and it, it, you basically said that it spoke to something that I had written about in my book. And I was curious if, do you remember that story? And could you <laughs> kind of tell us a little about that? <laughs> I went to, so, so there was a movie written about kind of what it's like to be a physician. And someone of another physician in my, at the hospital I worked at, sponsored to have it at one of the local movie theaters. And at some point after the director got up and said something to the extent of, you know, anyone who's a doctor, please stand up. And we all stood up and then she clapped and like the whole crowd started clapping. It was like 50% of the audience was doctors. And it was funny because it was the first time that I felt kind of that sense of honor in being a physician. And that was, it was double edged because on one side, it felt really, really good. But then on the other, it made me realize that I didn't feel that all the time. And so it was a very complicated moment for me. It made me realize, you know, it was part of that realization that I liked being a doctor, but it didn't give me that innate pride that I always thought it would. In fact, maybe it only did at that moment, but Mm. I didn't carry around that good feeling all the time about being a doctor. Um, which is interesting because, again, I work with the dying and you start really thinking about 
okay, what's important in my life? What really feeds me and nurtures me? And that was one of those moments that I realized that that nurturing I thought I was going to get up being a physician, that nurturing I felt for that one moment whenever it was clapping was very short lived. And that maybe this profession really wasn't providing me some of those good feelings that I thought it would for the rest of my life. And being a doctor, you know, I have friends that have become doctors and physicians and the, the path to that it's not a whim. It's not like, oh, I'll go get a certificate and then I'll try this out. It is such a long process. What were you, so what were you telling yourself as you were in that process? Like, yeah, this is going to be totally worthwhile. I mean, what was the carrot for you as you were becoming a doctor? So I, my father was a prominent oncologist, a really well-known doctor. He was very well-respected. And when I was seven years old, he died suddenly of a brain aneurysm. And as most young kids do, I felt some way responsible. Like I felt like somehow I wasn't good enough. I wasn't lovable enough. If I had been more, maybe he wouldn't have died. And it was also the time that I really envied him. Like I wanted to be exactly like him. I wanted to pattern my life after his. So it was really natural to jump on this idea of I can become a doctor just like he was. In some sense, I think I almost thought I could fulfill a role that he left when he died. And somehow that could make me whole or somehow that could take away the tragedy of him dying. And so for me, it was never much of a conscious thought process. Like from the age of seven or eight, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. That's it. And that's what I'm going to do with my life, which was interesting because at the time I also had a major learning disability. I had a horrible, horrible time learning how to read. So I imagine my mother was looking at me going, hey, we can't even kind of get you past the first, second grade curriculum. God knows if you are going to learn like everyone else, how much is this going to hold you back? And then I was this kid saying, I'm going to be a doctor. Like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. There's no question. This is what I was meant to do. So I didn't question the hardships of medicine during training because it felt so innately like it was my identity. It was what I was supposed to do with my life that unraveled. And there are a few specific episodes during my training and later where I felt that connection to my father starting to fray. And I started questioning this whole idea. Is this really what I'm supposed to do with myself? So I've been telling myself this story since I was a little kid that my father died and I was supposed to walk in his footsteps And then there were these little things that happened to me that really profoundly made me question that. And it led to a real reckoning of my life at the same time I learned about finances. And so I had two big things happen at one time is one, I was coming to this reckoning of who I was and what my identity was and my connection to my father. And then the other portion was I was starting to look at my financial life and realizing, hey, I'm a lot better off than I thought I was. Well, how, how, what, what stage are we talking about? How old were you at this stage when you started? Oh, that right? was well into my 30s, early okay. 40s. So you did become a, a physician or you did become a doctor. And yeah, then and practiced for a good 20 years. You practiced. But in the, in the background, I was like, I'm fulfilling this vision, right? I think that's what we attach ourselves to. And we get these, even the, the folks that get the vision board, like, I'm going to put my head down and do this vision, but there's a, what's missing is this connection to our subjective experience. It's like, what do I really like? What actually has me feel alive? What actually has me feel expansive? And we, we dismiss that. No, 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 no. It's all about the vision. So I've got this identity. This is who I'm supposed to be. This is who I'm supposed to become. And you're, you're on that track and you're well into that. You have fully committed. You're both feet in. 
and then okay now now i'm just getting a sense of where your life is at this point but you had a couple of hiccups along the way that were like maybe i'm not supposed to maybe i'm supposed somebody else you had a you had a few knocks on the door there Oh, I had I had a few of them and they made me profoundly question what I was doing. And I did my best not to think about it. I did my best to ignore. Right. Those little whispers that tell you "Hmm, maybe you aren't really living your purpose and identity and maybe you're not really making those connections that are meaningful in your life. But to do that, I had to question this connection to my father I had. Right. I had to say my father died. I was seven. I've gone on this path to be closer to him. And there's these little whispers telling me that maybe that isn't who I am. And that was really hard. That was hard to. Yeah, it was it was scary to let go of this childhood vision of my father that I so much wanted to still have in my life. And yet it wasn't fulfilling me. Right. I just this is what we see over and over again, especially, you know, it's really common in the people that I work with, which is like, hey, I've done well or I'm on this path to do well but something's off. Like I I have this voice and is it just fear? I don't know if it's just fear. I don't know if it's just doubt. I don't know if it's just, you know, somebody else's stuff, but it's something's off. There's a rock in my shoe or there's a hole in my gut and something feels off. And it's like, well, I've already put this much time and energy in. I can't, if I quit now, what will people think of me? I mean, what was going on for you there? was like, I'm going to betray my father if I, if I even entertain another path or what was the, the big fear for you? I think there were two two major fears. One was certainly that there were these threads of connection to my father that I was horrified at the idea of losing. I think that was the first part. So being a doctor was the way that you kept your father in your alive, essentially, like you, you, you kept you honored your father by becoming a doctor. For sure. And then the other part was, as I started realizing there were other things that I loved to do, I loved to write, I loved public speaking, I really fell in love with this idea of communicating. But I always told myself, you can't really make a living doing that. So I had this fear of leaving this profession that I was good at, that provided a really stable living for me. To just walk away from that is very hard. You know, I always say that being a physician is one of the things that I'm best in the world at. How do you walk away from that when you realize that no matter how good you are at it, it isn't fulfilling you? That was Take a lot care. of fun. Thank you. Likewise. And uh, give me one second and let me see if I can just quickly find um, when my um, when my boot camp is. So hopefully you can put it up before that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then we can. Here. Yeah. And February if, 20th and 21st. Yeah. And if you want, it's completely up to you. But I also I'll, I'm always happy to give away you know, one or two free entrances or something to the Facebook group. We have a few thousand people in the Facebook group. Yeah, and if you want to do that. Done, 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 done. We done. can do all that before. Yes. But- you care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you 
get your podcasts. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts.